This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, October 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Telluride looks to study the impact of short-term rentals. Tourism Board presents its 2023 budget request. Lego Robotics prepares for a regional competition. And a mountain weather forecast. When tourists are bustling around Telluride, they're not all staying in hotels. Over the past years, short-term rentals have become a driver in the tourism economy. Those short-term rentals and their impact on the community were the main topic of conversation during the 2021 elections. And Telluride voters decided to put a moratorium on issuing new short-term rental licenses for two years. But in November 2023, that moratorium will be up. And so really over the next 12 months here, uh, I want to make sure we remain in in dialogue with council and the public on re-examining those existing STR regulations just to determine if and how those licensing procedures and fees might need to be modified to just align best with our community needs and expectations well before we get to 2023, uh, November, uh, so that we're not caught, you know, in a short um, time frame trying to make really big and important decisions. That's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson presenting before Telluride Town Council this week. According to Robson, having a comprehensive study on the impact of short-term rentals will help town council make more informed decisions when it comes to regulations and allow the community to have a common understanding of what the data is. Rather than, as as we all do, rely upon assumptions and some speculation, um, you know, that would also allow for a re-engagement of our stakeholders if we, I, I think, went through this process. Um, and maybe last, just if there are new impact fees proposed in the future, um, we know that uh, legal counsel typically recommends that a database study providing a rational nexus between community impacts and the fees charged by jurisdiction are, are quite necessary. So this would serve as one of those, those tools uh, moving forward. Robson notes the first key to the study is identifying what information the community wants to collect. Clearly defining the problem that the town is working to resolve um, is, is really important. He says there are a number of questions the town could look at. What are the economic benefits and fiscal impacts of short-term rentals? Uh, Two, the the role short-term rentals play in the town's existing housing stock and our community's ability to meet the desired current and future housing needs, along with our visitor accommodation needs. And then uh, just what are the neighborhood compatibility uh, from neighborhood to neighborhood uh, with STR uses? When looking at how to focus the study, Robson says there are two primary buckets. One looks more at fees and the fiscal side of short-term rentals in the community. The other has a more holistic approach. These are studies that um, provide a focus right down to the individual neighborhood level in regards to helping determine the most appropriate STR distribution, for example, across the town, um, what the density is um, that seems the most appropriate um, on a neighborhood by neighborhood basis, um, even the, uh, and of course the total percentage of housing units across the town that are deemed um, 
best for each community. Robson estimates a study could cost anywhere from $35,000 to $100,000, although he anticipates the price tag would be on the lower end of that range. Town Council was in support of moving forward with a short-term rental study, but Councilmember Mian Fee notes if the town doesn't work collaboratively, it'll be a waste of taxpayer dollars. Mountain Village is currently in the process of conducting a short-term rental study of its own. It really just does not make any sense to me whatsoever to have these two different studies going on because both are going to have huge chasms that are not taking into account the other destination. And I would love to see if we can expand their scope if they've already selected somebody so that that way we get a really good comprehensive view of what short-term rentals are doing to the destination as a whole. Council directed Robson to move forward with identifying the scope of a short-term rental study, looking for collaboration with Mountain Village on data collection. Over the past few years, tourism in Telluride has been anything but business as usual. Between the pandemic boom in visitor traffic and recent changes in how town finances the tourism board, Telluride's tourism outlook is always in flux. In one of its biannual presentations to the town council this week, the tourism board's director, Kira Skinner, reports that the next challenge on the horizon appears to be an economic downturn. To best prepare, Skinner says the tourism board recommends marketing to international travelers. You know, we've talked a lot about the shifting economy and the expected recession, and the TTB recommends um, destination marketing, both national and international. But um, we understand that the town of Telluride isn't ready to take that leap yet. So um, we think it would be great to dip our toes into international marketing. International visitors bring higher value at low impact. So um, they spend more, they stay longer. Marketing funds for international travelers are included in the Tourism Board's 2023 budget request, which it presented at the meeting. Another new budget item would launch a grant program for local businesses and nonprofits. Councilmember Geneva Shawnette is in favor of such an initiative and says there are similar models in other communities. I'm definitely in favor of uh, a grant funding program of some kind. We saw a cool one in Breckenridge uh, that where the tourism board there was working with sustainability initiatives and getting grant money to our organizations for certain goals, I think is a good thing. Seanette adds that a grant program which sent money back to Telluride organizations could also create goodwill in a town whose relationship to tourism is always complex. I think it will also foster sort of some rebuilding of connectedness and trust between, you know, members of the community and this new and improved tourism board mission as well. Although the Tourism Board is adding these new items to its 2023 budget request, the overall request is similar to past versions because the board will be spending less money on destination sustainability programs, which focus on lessening the impacts of over-tourism. Councilmember Dan Enright says he would like area businesses, festivals, and resorts to help fund the board. I'll be frank, I think the town of Telluride is giving the Tourism Board too much money. I think that we need to have other funding entities like private entities that fund it. The nature of marketing and tourism has changed and that it's not necessarily a municipality's sole responsibility to fund marketing and tourism promotion. It's obviously an important part of our economy. Don't let me be misconstrued. 
but I don't believe that the town of Telluride needs to shoulder the majority of that burden. Tourism Board Chairman Dan Jansen points out that while funding does come from the town, it is not from taxing locals directly, but from taxes on lodging and on businesses. Money is coming from business licenses, which means when they bring people in that spend money, it goes towards business license, it goes to sales tax, it goes to all that. But so in essence, it's not using taxpayer money. We're using people that are traveling here. They get taxed and we're using that money to support tourism. Many council members nevertheless say they would like to see other entities in town step up to fund tourism. Despite some hesitation, council is largely in favor of the projected 2023 budget. Mayor Delaney Young says tourism initiatives should ultimately aim to serve the needs and desires of those who actually call Telluride home. And really focusing in on the people who live, work and play here um, and our visitors too. But really showing those people who live, work and play here all the time that we're really looking out for them is a big deal. So thank you for that. The Tourism Board will have its final public meeting of the year on Tuesday, December 6 at the Wilkinson Library. That meeting, open to all who are interested, will be at 10 a.m. The Telluride High School's STEM lab is bustling. Students are at computers, studying how to turn lightning into electricity. Others set up robot obstacle courses on a mat on the floor. The Robotics Club is a collaboration between the Telluride School District and the Pinhead Institute. Currently, the club is practicing and preparing for an upcoming regional competition in Fruta. So you push the couch in and then the TV flips up and a little energy cell comes out of the TV and you have to try and get it to land in this little square that's behind there. And then we also have the windmill. Normally there's like batteries right there. Kitten Koenig is in fifth grade and a member of the robotics team. Push the little red thing in and make the windmill, windmill spin and then all the batteries come out. The kids have to like code a robot, build a robot, and complete the missions that they're given every year. And then on top of that, they have to come up with an innovation project that could be something that can help the world or their community. That's Luis Tavares, coach of the LEGO Robotics team. The competition has two parts. The first is an innovation project. That's where fourth grader Charlie Clark is spending his time. We don't know what it looks like yet, except it's lightning except using it as a source. It's like a lightning rod, but different. Like once lightning hits it, it will be generated into electricity. It won't just go to the ground. The second half is the robotics missions. At this week's practice, Koenig and seventh grader Lily Pearl Williamson are working to get their robot, named Wally Mammoth, to drive to a small structure without hitting any other Lego structures along the way, Use an electronic arm to flip a lever so a small barrel or battery rolls into a car, pushing it off its parking spot. Then the robot makes its way back to the starting location. So right now we are um, coding the hybrid car, and the mission is to hold on. Once. The mission is to flip that red lever to get the um, uh, cell into the car, get it to come down, and then get the robot to come back. And we've been working on this for like four weeks probably 
uh, which is like eight classes, trying to get this one to work, and now we're hoping that it works better because we made them up, because we changed up the uh, robot. Forrest Olson is in fifth grade and explains how the coding works. We have an app which we the, we have like word blocks is the coding format we use, which are blocks that you can connect together to make the robot move. For example, there are blocks that like say move forward, like you can choose the direction and for blank, um, for like a number of rotations, degrees, or whatever. After minutes of tweaking and zhuzhing the code, the robot begins to move more reliably as it should. It works, it works. It's painstaking and frustrating at times, but important. Small adjustments could mean big wins in just a few short weeks. The Telluride Lego Robotics Club will be heading to Fruta on Saturday, November 12th for a regional qualifying competition. If the team makes the top six, they will head to the state championship in December. Colorado voters are one week away from a midterm election that will decide representatives in Congress, state income taxes, school lunches, and the legalization of psychedelic substances. Wading through the state's blue book, a guide to ballot measures up for a vote this year can be a slog. But the Progressive Women's Caucus of the San Juans is hoping to make the potentially laborious chore a bit livelier. Jocelyn Lifton Zolene is a member of the Progressive Women's Caucus. This week, the group is hosting a Blue Book party. We started hosting these Blue Book parties a few years ago as a way to kind of get people together and talk through all of the ballot amendments and propositions so that voters are really well prepared to vote all the way through their ballots. We hope that people will come with whatever strong opinions they have or questions they have. Um, and we basically will start at the beginning of the Blue Book and we'll talk through it um, issue by issue. Lifton Zolene notes that while the PWC looks at the issues through an equity, women, and family lens, they hope all viewpoints come to the table. We hope people will come who have all sorts of opinions and ideas and questions and maybe see things from different perspectives. So it's really meant to be kind of an opportunity for civic engagement and debate and discussion and to help everyone dig a little bit deeper. The Progressive Women's Caucus Blue Book Party will take place on Thursday, October 27th at 5.30 p.m. at Whittier. Spanish interpretation will be available. Election day is on Tuesday, November 8th. Ballots are already in the mail and early voting is up and running at the San Miguel County Annex on Main Street. There is little as peaceful and silent as the thick drifts of falling snow. Or maybe it's just that the summer-long roar of weed whackers, mowers, and other gas-powered lawn equipment has finally been put to rest. 
responsible not only for noise pollution, but also enormous CO2 emissions. Gas-powered lawn equipment and power tools are not only a nuisance, but also a climate problem. The Telluride Foundation has a solution in store. In partnership with San Miguel Power and the Pinhead Institute, the foundation is offering rebates on new electric power equipment for property owners and landscapers. It is also offering an additional $1,000 award for landscapers who convert their entire fleet to electric power. With these measures, maybe some of winter's peace and quiet will extend beyond that blanket of snow. Poets and the poetically inclined across the region will be gathering this coming Tuesday, November 2nd for another evening of the Bardic Trails Poetry Series. The headliner for this month's event is the award-winning Norwood poet Diva Chisonis. During the event, she will share some of her work before the evening opens up to all. With a prompt of higher ground, participants are encouraged to bring a story, a favorite poem, or an original work to share. Or just come to listen. The event takes place on Zoom beginning at 7 p.m. Pre-registration details can be found at telluridelibrary.org. Many cities across Colorado and the country are experiencing a housing crisis, with costs far outpacing the wage hikes. One effect has been an increase in homelessness. At the same time, some cities have enacted stricter laws to punish activities associated with not having a home. This criminalization tends to funnel unhoused individuals into the jail or court systems. But some cities, including Boulder, are also trying a different approach, community court. KGNU's Shannon Young has the story. Every Tuesday afternoon, a section of Boulder's Central Park transforms into an open-air outreach center. So I just graduated from Colorado State University in what I refer to as boot camp bureaucracy. Jen Livovich is the executive director of Feet Forward, a small nonprofit she founded during COVID to respond to the needs of the local unhoused population. Feet Forward organizes the weekly events in Boulder's Central Park to provide goods and services Livovich says she needed when she herself was homeless. So the goal here is for us to try to attract as many of the people who are experiencing homelessness in our community to us. Because, and a lot of people don't like that, right? They don't want to attract homeless people. But the reality is, is you need to attract homeless people to offer them solutions and help them. At the weekly outreach event, Feet Forward offers free meals, weather-appropriate clothing, orientation for navigating complex bureaucratic systems, and spaces for service providers to connect with people in need. Angel, who preferred to speak on a first-name basis only, helps to prepare the food and coordinate the clothing donations. When I got off the street, I wanted to work with Jen because Jen helped me when I was on the street. And how were you able to get off of the street? Um, well, I got sober and um, started working um, um, with uh, Chris from, and he got me um, housed. The Chris Angel refers to is Christopher Reynolds, supervising prosecutor in the Boulder City Attorney's Office. He's also with the city's community court system, which sometimes sets up a table during the weekly outreach events at the band shell. We're trying to meet people where they are. Our uh, community court program is focused on people who are currently unhoused. Reynolds says they try to connect with individuals who have tickets for low-level municipal offenses. We do things like help them apply for a uh, Colorado ID or a social, social security card or get connected with the housing process. 
and in return we dismissed their tickets. Boulder's community court has been operating for about two years. New York City established the first community court in the U.S. in 1993 to pioneer the model of alternative treatments for offenses that oftentimes trace back to a root cause of extreme poverty or lack of access to essential services. I'm proud of the uh, Boulder Community Court program because it takes a non-punitive, non-traditional approach to dealing with cases where fines, jail time, those things, not helpful. What really helps is helping people get their basic needs met, and the most principal basic need is housing. Earlier this month, observers from the community court in Austin, Texas were in town to see how Boulders operates and to offer feedback based on their own 23 years of experience. Peter Valdez, court administrator for Austin's community court, had this advice. The biggest thing is to uh, create your menu of resources that you have in-house so that you're able to immediately connect people to services when you engage them through the court processes or when they come to you voluntarily. And you're able to provide those services in-house as opposed to relying on what's available in the community and uh, losing time trying to connect people to those services. Sometimes those who have lived experience climbing out of homelessness can be the most effective navigators. Like Feet Forward's Jen Livovich, Angel also got an education and turned around to use it to help others. I got a, a certificate. I am a certified recovery coach. So that better helps me deal with people and, their, and mental problems, drug problems and all that. And I also, I like to help people that just get housed because it was so hard for me even. And, and I knew, I don't know, People have trouble, they don't know what they need when they're inside and it's really hard to get dropped inside and nobody knows, you know, there's nobody there to help you. Feet Forward founder Jen Livovich agrees the current human services system is a bit of a patchwork, but that the authorities need to include those with lived experience in their solution plans. So as a person that used to be one of the people coming to my own event today, I can tell you that um, homeless people are told what to do, how to do and when to do it or more like what not to do, right? And they don't really have any representation at the tables where those decisions are made. But at least in many cities, the community court system and meeting those in need where they're at seems like a step in the right direction. For KGNU, I'm Shannon Young in Boulder, Colorado. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Two to four inches of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday, there's an 80% chance of snow showers with a high near 30 degrees. One to three inches of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday night, expect mostly clear skies with a low around 15 degrees. Friday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high in the mid-40s and a low around 25. This has been the news for Wednesday, October 26. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. The following message is not endorsed by Bunker. Wilder than Sally Puff on a Saturday night. More haunted than the empty homes on the sunny side. More terrifying than the lift lines at Christmas. Ghastlier than free box underwear. Dustier than the old bar on a Friday afternoon. More cobwebby than Coda. Rockier than a Telluride relationship. How about fun? Can it just be fun? Duh.
It's, it's the Kodo Halloween Bash! Don't miss the premiere event of the fall off-season, the Kodo Halloween Bash, on Saturday, October 29th at the Telluride Transfer Warehouse. DJ Shano will get the party started at 6 with local favorite Chrome Velvet closing it down. Admission is 20 bucks at the door with all proceeds going to your beloved community radio station. All are welcome. Cash prizes for the top three costumes. This is an outdoor event, so bust out those furry animal suits. It'll be hairier than an embarrassment of pandas. And scarier than a noise complaint lawsuit. Don't, Don't miss it! It's the total Halloween Bash! Saturday, October 29th. Greetings, my unconventional conventionalists. Dr. Frankenfurter here, and you are cordially invited to do the time warp with us this Friday at the Palm Theater. Telluride Theater and the Palm Theater are collaborating once again to present the Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast with live theatrics starring 20 local performers. VIP tables are sold out, but... You can still get general admission tickets in advance online at telluridepalm.com. We'll have goodie bags for sale for proper Rocky participation and, of course, a cash bar. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. 